Welcome to another interview at Animal Cafe. Each Monday, we offer a new podcast with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for upcoming interviews and more. Tonight at Animal Cafe, we are here with Amy Gilbreth, Executive Director of Found Animals Foundation, based in Los Angeles. This not-for-profit is led by business and medical professionals and is based on founder Dr. Gary Michelson's thinking that active philanthropy produces effective results. It doesn't get much more active than running multiple adoption centers and funding a $75 million grant for a non-surgical, single-dose solution to replace spay-neuter. Welcome, Amy, and thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, well, I'm going to jump right in here and ask, you know, how and when did Found Animals get started and what's your mission? Well, Found Animals was legally incorporated at the very end of 2005, Mm -hmm. and uh, Dr. Michelson ran it himself, basically out of his kitchen, until the spring of 2008 when I came on board as the first full-time employee. And since then, um, we've grown. We're at about 35 employees now and a whole bunch of programs that are all his brain children. And our mission is to minimize shelter euthanasia. So while we have a diverse array of programs, they all come back to that one central theme. The Michelson Prize of $75 million that was offered in 08. can you tell us yes. uh, about the background? What was the catalyst for such a grand grant? Well, Dr. Michelson is an inventor and an entrepreneur. So the way that he became a billionaire was by developing and patenting all kinds of devices and tools to help with spinal surgery. And those patents were then licensed to various companies around the world. So he comes from a background of trying to, forgive the phrase, design a better mousetrap. And he has been looking at what were the effective tools in the world of animal welfare, and one of the most effective tools we have is sterilization. Unfortunately, in the current setup, there are some barriers to people taking advantage of that because it still is a surgery, and it's very expensive, and you need a specially trained veterinary surgeon, et cetera, et cetera. So he got the idea that, you know, why couldn't there be a better way to sterilize cats and dogs? Why couldn't it be as easy as giving them a vaccination or giving them a pill? I mean, after all, in the human world, if I don't want to have children, I don't have to have a hysterectomy to accomplish that. So we started thinking about, you know, how could we incent scientists and researchers to do work in this field And uh, we came up with the prize and grant program. So it's actually a $25 million prize if someone brings us the product fully fledged. And then because we knew that while there were scientists interested, that none of them were very close to accomplishing this, we created the companion grant program, which is up to $50 million in grant funding to help scientists get to the point where they might then be able to claim the prize. Before you came along, uh, there were an awful lot of scientists out there working on this issue, but eventually just simply ran out of money. So you pretty much uh, picked them all back up and saved the programs that they were working on. I would say that it's safe to um, to think that we reinvigorated interest and research in this field. If you look back, there has been research going on in non-surgical sterilization for animals, not just pets, but other other kinds of animals as well, Mm -hmm. since the 40s and the 50s, back when non-surgical sterilization or contraception research for humans became very popular. 
But unlike for humans, the market for these products for animals are not as commercially attractive. And so there really had never been as much funding or as much interest as was needed to actually get this across the finish line. Actually, I read something in Science Magazine that was really wonderful uh, by uh, Mr. Grimm uh, called uh, Cure for Euthanasia. And he had talked about um, this discussion had gone on back in the 70s and, and then was dropped and came back up in the 80s with regard to a vaccine. Well, people have been interested in a, in a variety of approaches. So historically, a lot of it was uh, was vaccine. Oh, okay. Okay, historically, there has been a lot of interest in vaccine-based approaches in what we call cytotoxin-based approaches, where you basically try to um, poison, you know, the cells that produce eggs and sperm so that they won't be functional anymore. But as we've come forward now, you know, obviously, there's a lot of new approaches in all areas of medicine that weren't around 30 or 40 years ago. And so one of the goals of the prize and grant program is to really capitalize on that and get people to think about not just the approaches that have been around for decades, but also how the latest, greatest, cutting-edge science might be applied in this field. Um, so in, in that regard, uh, I'm wondering how your partnership with the Alliance for Contraception and Cats and Dogs developed, because you have done uh, international symposia together now for some years. Dr. Michelson had a very long list of projects that he wanted to tackle, and the prize and grant program was at the top. And at that time, the only group that was seriously looking at the possibility of non-surgical sterilization for cats and dogs was ACCND, the Alliance for Contraception and Cats and Dogs. So I started talking with the wonderful folks over there and with their scientific advisor and being a founding board as we were developing the prize and grant program. And then after we launched, you know, some of their scientific advisors have considered continued to serve on our scientific advisory board and and we did co-host uh, the International Symposium last year, which was a fantastic event. It had two tracks, one focused on the Michelson Prize and Grants and one focused on you know, application of an ultimate product if and when it's developed, and it was an incredibly productive meeting. So, so what conclusions and new ideas came out of the fourth symposia? Well, at the fourth symposia, we had speakers that work in human medicine and in other areas of research. And I think that the takeaway was that they really challenged some of the folks that have been working in the field of non-surgical sterilization for years to think about new approaches. And there was a lot of conversation about how far um, vaccine research has come and how the vaccines of today uh, bear very little resemblance to the vaccines of 30 years ago. There was a lot, also a lot of talk about, um, you know, DNA and RNA-focused approaches like gene silencing, which are brand new and still proving themselves in all fields of medicine and research. So it really was a great meeting of the minds, and there was a lot of what I would call ideation, a lot of great discussion of approaches that could get us there for this type of product. Yeah, it was really interesting. I was looking at uh, Asterosol by Arc Sciences and that injectable method of chemical castration for male dogs uh, took 20 years to come to market. So um, I, I know some people have said something about this single-dose uh, sterilization for cats and dogs, uh, both male and female, as being the holy grail of science. Can you speak it to that? It is definitely a high bar. I don't know if I would call it the but we know that we have set the bar very high. 
And while having a product that works in both male and female cats and dogs is a requirement to claim the prize, since all of the research is very early stage and we can't tell yet, that is not a requirement to apply for grant funding. So we have a lot of folks coming into our grant program that they have the kernel of a good idea and they haven't done enough work yet to know, is it only going to work in females? Is it only going to work in cats? And we're happy to fund that research to get it down the path. And it may be that ultimately we end up with four products, one for male dogs, one for female dogs, one for male cats, one for female cats, in which case we would never award the prize, but we would still have much better tools in our arsenal for sterilization than we do today. Uh, absolutely, and w with particular effect on the uh, stray populations of the world. Um, and in that regard, I did want to bring up a recent controversy. A group by the name of 600million.com, or 600 million stray dogs need your help, were in partnership with Tech with a product called ChemSpay, raising funds online. Tech suddenly dissolved the partnership. Can you uh, shed some light on this? Well, we are familiar with 600 million and um, Alex Pacheco, who is their founder. And actually, at some point in uh, 2010 or maybe very late 2009, he came and talked to me and asked a lot of great questions about what was going on with the Michelson Prize and Grant Program. And at that time, I encouraged him to apply for funding because we do share the same goal which is to find a better way to help animals all over the world. Mm -hmm. As for the details of, of 600 million and their agreement with um, Sinestec and Chemspay and to why that didn't ultimately work out, I don't have any details. What I will tell you is that um, you know, we were concerned about some of the initial marketing materials that came out because we are not aware of any product anywhere in the world that is at the later stages of development. And so while, while we would love for that to be the case, and, and while there may be something behind the scenes somewhere that we don't know about, we just always want to be really careful about not getting people's hopes up because it is such an important product that would be such an important breakthrough. And as you alluded to, the regulatory process alone can be so long and daunting. Well, thank you so much for clearing that up uh, because I've, I've seen that around Twitter and uh, people pointing to the uh, YouTube uh, video. So uh, thanks. I appreciate that. And I'm sure the uh, listeners will too. Um, now, will there be an international conference next year? And on what basis are those decisions made? Is it about advances in the field? Or is it for more practical concerns of getting together, what, 25 different countries are being represented at these things? That's a lot of logistics. Actually, it's a little bit of both. It's a great question. It is a lot of logistics. Very well <laughs> worth it. The plan is to have probably host them roughly every other year, mm -hmm. but it, the decision really is made based on a number of factors, the primary one being we want to make sure that there's enough new research to talk about. And so the earliest I think that you'd see the next one would be 2012. I, I did want to go into Found Animals as an organization on its own. Uh, you've got an awful lot of creativity going on <laughs> with regard to your um, animal adoption centers. I think you have, what, what is it, 12? Or did I miscount? 
actually we have two that we run ourselves, but what you're referring to are our partnerships oh, with okay. our local shelter. So we work very closely with our local municipal sheltering agencies. And, for mm-hmm. example, just this weekend we have an event coming up where we are hosting an adaptathon at 16 different locations simultaneously. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, have you gotten some good press coverage on that? We absolutely have. We try and do these adoptathons a couple of times a year, and uh, the last couple we've sent home about 450 animals in a single day. We hope to send home 500 animals in a single day this weekend. And uh, they are very popular. We try and do a fun theme and really use it as a way to drive traffic to the shelters. We find that a lot of folks are intimidated about going to the shelters, and unnecessarily so in most cases. If they go, they realize that they aren't terrible places, and there are wonderful pets there, and they end up having a great experience. And so that's why we like to host events at all the shelter locations a couple times a year. I noticed that you also have a, a webcast idea going on for municipal shelters. And can you tell us a little bit about this program? I, I saw that it started sometime last year. Actually, it's something that we've been experimenting with off and on for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. and we've done live webcast from shelter or adoption locations off and on, and we've done it in a couple of different formats. We did one focused on kittens a couple of years ago that was very popular and had over the course of you know something like eight or nine months about a million unique viewers, which was fantastic. Wow, it helped a lot great. of animals get adopted. Yeah. Right now, go to our website. Yeah, this is fantastic. Right now, if you go to our website, we have a live streaming cam in our adopt-and-shop store, mm-hmm. and I think that what's featured on there right now is kittens because it's kitten season. I saw that But earlier. it is a great way to see. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to see some of the animals available for adoption before you come down to the store. And um, what what kind of results have you seen from this? Besides the the high traffic on the website. Well, it's a great education tool because mm-hmm. you end up getting viewers coming from a real wide variety of places, and some of them may know a little bit about adoption and shelters, and some of them may know nothing. And so seeing the cute animals, which everyone loves, is a great way to start a conversation about where are these animals from, and why are they there, and mm-hmm. how could I get one if I want one. And so it's a fantastic way for us to engage a really broad audience and talk to them about our mission and what we do. Yes, it is. And have you had uh, other shelters from different states calling and asking for a blueprint on this program? We have had some inquiries, and if you uh, Google around, you will see, and I don't think that we can take credit for this. I think the Shiba Inu puppy cam kicked it all off a few years ago. (laughs) But you will see that there are a number of shelters that have set up live streaming webcams to help you know get the word out about their wonderful pets. Could you tell us what else is coming up for found animals? Well, we are kicking off the Cat Days of Summer promotion. Our event coming up this weekend is one part of that, but we're also doing a promotion called Two for You, where if you want to adopt two cats, you pay the adoption fees on the first and we'll pay the adoption fees on the second because we know that cats do great in pairs and we want as many shelter cats as possible to go home. We also got neutered for $15 or stayed for $25 this fall with respect to um, our microchip program and uh, a number of other things that we do. Okay, well, thank you very much for being with us, uh, Amy, and I really enjoyed this interview, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. Thank you so much. 
This is your host, Mary Haight, and that wraps up our interview for the week at Animal Cafe. Be sure to tune in next week, June 29th, when Dr. Lori Houston will be talking with author Tracy Jones about leadership, motivation, and other life lessons our dogs teach us. Check animalcafe.co for more, and thanks for listening.